Well, Happy New Year. You're thinking to yourself, preacher, you're two weeks late. I know. But you know, I've been out of country the last two weeks. So for me, this is my first Sunday of the year that I've been able to be with you. And, and y'all really should have come to 830 today. Because I got a lot to say and I got no reason to stop now. You know, 830, I had to be done by a certain time. We could just, Tim, we could just be going until two or three today. I mean, the spirit may fall. Four o'clock, five, no? Tim says 12. Tim, Tim always says he's leaving at 12 and taking the choir with him no matter what happens. So, <laughs> so but, 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 you know, we are, in the, we are in the midst of a new year. This is, this is we're, we're getting ramped up. The new year started. Kids are back in school. Everything is kind of getting ramped up now. And um, I love, I always love a, a new year. You know, I, I know it's kind of an artificial construct. There's really nothing different about one day to another. It's kind of like your birthday. You really don't feel any different. You know, you don't really feel older necessarily on your birthday than you did before. But in your mind, it's a big deal. And, and kind of the same thing with the new year. I know there's nothing magical about December 31st to January 1. But, you know, there's something about it. And I love, I love a new year. I love a new start. I, I know I love birthdays and I love new years. There's something about, something about that fresh start. So as we embark upon a new year here at our church, I think there are two amazing blessings of a new year. One blessing of a new year is the chance to look back, to look back at the previous year, to remember what had happened. But then also the, the second blessing is to get to look ahead to look ahead at what, what can be and what will be. So right now, at, at where we are in our church, we look back. We look back to 2015. And wow, y'all. Wow. In, in Job, I, I love in Job, when Job, when Job talks to God and talks to God and talks to God, and finally, finally God answers back to Job. And, and God says what he says to Job. And Scripture says that Job goes, I put my hand over my mouth for I've spoken much too soon. My, I have, I have I spoke to God. And he, he was so in awe of who God is that he, put, he said, I put my hand over my mouth. As, a, as an act of reverence to God. When I look back on the year 2015 in the life of our church, I put my hand over my mouth. What an amazing year we had last year. I have never seen a church finish a year so strong. I have never seen a church end a year with such momentum in every facet of the church. Are we perfect? No, we're not. But we had an amazing 2015. God did amazing things in the life of our church last year. Across the board, from children to youth to adults to older adults to worship to service to missions in every possible way that God could bless a church, God blessed our church in that way. Individuals came to saving faith. Families were drawn closer together. Lives were impacted here in Madison, across Madison County, internationally, everywhere. This church made a huge difference in so many lives in the past year. 2015 was an amazing year. And as we 
getting ready to move forward, we have to stop and just say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you have done. Because Scripture is so clear. That's one of the things that God really wants for us to do. You go and look in, you go and look in, in the Old Testament. I love the story of Gideon. And Gideon, you know, he starts off with this big old army. And the Lord says, nope, that's too big. And whoever looks at an army and says, that army's too big. You always want a bigger army. But God keeps whittling it down and whittling it down and whittling it down. Finally to the point he doesn't have much left. And the reason being is so that when Gideon won the battle, the only person that could get praise and get credit for the victory that had come was God. God alone deserves our praise and our glory from what has happened in this place this past year. Now looking ahead to next year, 2016, or the year we're in right now, it's going to be even better. It's going to be like that ooey-gooey part of the pecan pie. It's going to be even better. When you, when you look across the scope of our church, we're going we're to see, y'all, this year, we're going to see individuals come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to see families healed. We're going to see mission trips. We're going to see children grow. We're going to see amazing worship. We're going to see God pour out his glory in so many ways in this next year that I just can't stand it. I can't wait to see what God is going to do. Our best days as a church do not lie in the past. Our best days are yet to come. The best part, uh, that's not to say that we hadn't done amazing things. That's just to say it's going to get even better. Because the Bible says God's always doing a new thing. So what God has in store for this church is going to be better than anything our minds can even fathom. Great things are going to happen here in this place next year. And I can't wait to get through with it and just look back and say, wow, what has God done here? Wow. So as we move forward, there's something we've got to do, though. See, as you're, as, you're, as you're growing, as you're moving forward, what you've got to always do, you've got to always, you've got to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, then you're really not going to be where you need to go. Because who you are, who you are shapes where you're going. Who you are kind of determines the route you take and the tra- trajectory that we take. So as we, as we as a church move forward to where we're going this coming year, we need to always be very clear in who it is that we are. I tell people starting off ministry, one of the most difficult things when you start preaching is, is figuring out who you are. So I look back, I look back in, in my times in, in ministry when I first started preaching when I was in the Delta, those three little small churches, bless their hearts, you know. I don't know much now, but I knew a lot less back then. And those folks put up with some bad sermons. Oh, my gosh. I know y'all do too, but they're, they were worse back then. You know, and, and I had to go there to the Delta, though, to, to find, find some confidence. And then I had to go to, then I had to, go to, to Philadelphia to, to kind of find my voice in preaching. And I had to go to Ripley to learn how to kind of administrate a church. And everything I did, everything I did got me trained, got me ready for what God had in store. Y'all, there are no coincidences with God. There are no accidents with God. God's not in heaven going, boy, I didn't see that one coming. He's God, y'all. He kind of knows what he's doing. He's kind of a big deal. 
So God is always at work in our life. God is always in our, at work in our life, shaping things and directing us and getting us where we need to be. God's always working in, in our life. And so we have to stop and say, wow, thank you, God. So who are we? As a church, here at St. Matthew's, who we are, that's where we're going to go the next four weeks. The next four weeks, as we think about where God's calling us to in 2016, as we get ready for Lent, which is to follow that, as we get ready for God to do these things, we're going to stop the next four weeks and just kind of, kind of take some time and worship the next four weeks to talk about exactly who it is that we are. Who are we? Well, we're, 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 we're a place of grace. We're, we're a place where everyone that comes into this place feels loved. No matter what baggage you bring, no matter what failures lie in your past, no matter what mistakes you have ever committed, you come into this place and you're going to be loved. No matter what victories are in your past, no matter what successes you may have had, no matter what may have gone right in your life, you're going to be loved. Because, see, your worth is not based upon your past. Your worth is based upon who you are. Who are you? We're going to get there in a few minutes. Don't worry. But everybody that comes in here is loved. We're a church that wants to make a difference. When you look across the scope of all the places our church exists, geographically, I mean, we have folks in this church from all over, y'all. What a blessing to know that our church, this church right here, is uniquely poised to impact the greater metro area. There's not a place in the Jackson metro area that we don't have somebody, y'all. There's not a place around here we can't plant our flag and say, let's talk about what God is doing in this place. We are so well positioned to take the good news of God's grace across the metro area. When you look at where we are, when you look at who we are, when you look at what we're doing, you can see all the places that God wants to do great things here in our church, here in our community, here through us. God wants to do amazing things. We're, we're so, you look at our, our, our theology, what we believe. We are a church deeply rooted in Wesleyan, our Wesleyan thought and our, and our United Methodist connection. It's not that Methodism is the, the perfect system or the, or the greatest thing ever, but it's who we are. It's, it, it's, it's the covenant that we live under. So who are we? The next four weeks we're going to talk about this. Today we're going to talk about the first and most important thing in all of this. And that's the notion of grace. That's the notion of grace. John Wesley ha- had a word that he used in all of this stuff. And it was, a big, it was a big word, but it's a small word. And that word is all. For John Wesley, the notion of all was a huge word and a huge concept. John Wesley talked about three types of all. Three ways all is represented in our life. First is this. First is all are made in the image of God. The Bible says in Genesis, 3, Genesis 2, when, or Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, when God created humanity, Scripture says that God scooped up the dirt and breathed into it the breath of life. And he said, the Bible says, it said, God said, let us make them in our image. Male and female, let us make them in our image. That means you 
are made in the image of God. Every one of us, we are all made in God's image. Does that mean God looks like you and look like God? Not really, but it's something deeper. It's something, something more than that. It's something bigger and deeper than just a physical image. You are of a sacred worth to God. You are invaluable to God. You are made in his image. You are, you are divinely formed. Remember the old kid song, God don't make no junk? That's the truth. God don't make no junk. You are his. You are made in his image. And your worth does not come based off your success. Your worth does not come based off of anything you've ever done. Your worth comes based off of who he is and who he has made you to be. You are his. He has formed you. He has made you. He has breathed into you the breath of life. You were made in his image. There's two ways, I believe, two, two things that happen to you. You become a parent that you don't want to happen but do. It's how you know you're a parent. First is this. First, you're in a restaurant. Take when your kids are little. And one of them throws up. As a parent, what's your first instinct? You try to catch it. Even though you know better. Even though you don't want to. It's like, you're, whoa, oh, it's like it just kind of happens. You're like, I don't want to catch that. Yuck. I've done it. Most of you parents have as well. You're laughing, but you've done it too. You try to kids throw up. You have. Amen? Tim says not amen. The other thing you do as a parent, it just instinctually just happens. You drive them to church. You drive them to school. You look up, and you see your child has some Pop-Tart right here. What do you do? Amen? Every parent, you spit as a cleaning device. It's what we do. You see a little bit. Are, the hair is messed up. By the way, I'm gonna use, I, got, I got Purell. Don't worry. I'll, I'll clean my hands before I shake your hand. Don't worry. You won't catch Ebola from me. Don't worry. You'll be fine. But it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, they're your child. So you just instinctually, it's like a mother bird. You just lick it and you clean it. It's what you do. The way I describe how God, what it means we made in the image of God is this. God makes us. God forms us. God breathes into us the breath of life. Then it's like he goes and marks us. You are made in his image. All. Everyone that is. Everyone that's ever been. Everyone that ever will be is made in the image of God. That's where your worth comes from. Your worth does not come from your job. Your worth does not come from your family. Your worth does not come from your success. Your worth, your very being, it comes from the fact that you're made in God's image. Because nothing can ever take that away from you. Nothing. That's one all. The second all is this. All are made in this image. Second all is this. All are equally broken. We are all the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. I love, love divine, I love the ceiling. I could sing that song every day. Take away our bent 
to sinning, alpha and omega B. I love that line because here's the thing. We, all of us, all of us are broken. You, 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 may, you may really love God. You, I mean, you may love God with all that you are. You may desire him. You may want him. You may want to walk with him. You may love him completely. And you may get stuck in traffic and say things you shouldn't say. Amen? I mean, it happens. You're human. You may really, really, really love God, really love him, and fuss with your spouse all the time. You may really, really love God and struggle with the same sin that you've struggled with your entire life, and it drives you crazy, and you hate it, but it just is. We all have that brokenness to us. We all have that weakness to us. We all have that pull and that temptation to us. Y'all, to admit you're broken is not to say that you're a bad person. It's not to say that you're insufficient. It's not to say that you're any of this. It's to admit that you're human. To be human is to be broken. Because here's the deal, y'all. If you can do it by yourself, Jesus came for nothing. If you are good enough, if you are moral enough to do it by yourself, then you're saying Jesus Christ came for nothing. And that is not the case. All are made in his image and all are broken. Take away our bent to sinning. I think of, remember when you were kids or you had kids and you you did hot dog winnie roast? And you take the coat hanger and you straighten it all out and it's straight. Well, stop and look at it. What do you still see? Little bends in it, don't you? Still kind of crooked in it, doesn't it? That's us. Through salvation, God starts to straighten us out. But guess what? We still got those bends in us, don't we? We still got those breaks in it. Take away our bent to sinning, Alpha and Omega B. All are made in His image. All are broken. And Christ Jesus died for all. For God so loved the world that whosoever would believe would not perish, but have eternal life. The Bible says that God wishes that none should perish, but that all should be saved. Christ died for the world. He didn't just die for the good folks, he didn't just die for the bad folks. He died for everybody. He died for the world. That means the big world. And that means you. We're not just, not, that means he died for them. Because there's a them that we don't like. We all got a them. Somebody we don't like. In Jesus' day, they call them Samaritans. You got somebody you don't like. Jesus died for them. He died for you too. He died for the world. Those who deserve it and those who don't, because none of us really do. Those who get it and those who don't. He died for everyone. Think of the miracle that we read about Jesus turning the water into wine. Everybody, it was the party, got it, didn't they? Not just the good folks, not just the bad folks. Everybody at that feast, received the blessing of the miracle. So was it with us? All who believe receive that blessing. All. 
old preacher was driving down the road, and I was swerving back and forth. And uh, I was told him, sorry, I'm swerving, cut the lights on. Pulled him over, said, preacher? I said, you okay? He said, preacher, yes, sir, I'm good. He said, sorry, you're swerving. Um, just got in that cup there. The preacher said, just some water. The preacher said, can I see it? He said, yeah, sure. Gave it to him. Took some of it and said, preacher, this is wine. The preacher said, praise the Lord, he's done it again. Almost got an early service with that one. He's already heard it, so. All. All got it. All got that miracle that we're at the party. All is who Christ Jesus died for. But y'all, here's the rub. Here's the thing. If you don't accept that it doesn't do you any good, God has forgiven you. God loves you. God desires to know you. God desires to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. You are of infinite worth. You are of infinite value. You are precious and sacred to God. You are his prized creation. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you. He desires you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you grace. But that does you no good unless you accept it. You're walking around the Powerball ticket in your back pocket. But you got to cash it in. You're walking around with the greatest gift in all of creation in your back pocket. But you got to cash it in. God cannot give you grace until you receive it. Until you accept it, it doesn't do you any good. You are loved more than your mind can fathom. You just got to accept it. Our problem is this. We want to earn it, don't we? We live in a wage-based economy. We earn things. The Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, wages, what we earn is death. But what we're given is a gift. And it's grace. So who are we? What are we about? We're about grace. We're about grace. You need to know just how much God loves you. Based not off your efforts, but based off of his efforts. You're not loved based off what you've done. You're loved based off what he has done through Jesus Christ. And the world needs that message now more than ever. Grace. It all starts with grace. So as we move forward in 2016, may we be a people of grace. May God's grace live in all that we do. Let's pray.